Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Hey guys, pardon the echo. I'm in a brand new apartment. You'll hear a little bit more about that in today's episode. But I wanted to let you guys know about something cool that's coming up, which is in about mid-October, I think around October 15, Humans of Adventism. You may remember us talking about them on episode 25. The editor and co-founder of Humans of Adventism, Caleb Isley, will be a keynote speaker this year at the uh, Society of Adventist Communicators Convention at the NAD headquarters. So go ahead and register for that. Go check out what he's doing at the NAD website. Uh, this is the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists, and we'll, we'll put a link down in the description of this episode. And uh, we just wanted to let you know that Humans of Adventism is something that you can support. If you've not heard anything about them, you can go to AdventistHumans.com, or you can go listen back to episode 25 of this podcast uh, to hear a little bit of Caleb's story. Um, but if you want to if you want to support them financially, you can find them at patreon.com slash Adventist humans. And you can also get cool T-shirts. I have an awesome T-shirt. It says uh, Adventist human on it. There's sweatshirts. There's all these these all different types of merch. And you can find those at teespring.com slash Adventist human. And Caleb, shout out to you. Thank you for what you're doing uh, to highlight people's stories and experiences and, and remind us about the humanity behind the people that we interact with online and, and across our denomination. And guys, go check out Humans of Adventism. You don't want to miss out on anything that's going on with them and all the cool things that are happening. So thanks, guys. And here's uh, today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to Absurdity, and I want to start off this episode by just letting you know, if you think that Tony and I agree on everything that we've ever talked about, you're wrong, so, because so wrong. approximately five seconds before we started recording this podcast, I discovered that he is a GIF man, while I am a GIF man, and that almost ruined this partnership. I, will, I just want you to I know that. I will fully admit that GIF is the correct term. The guy who invented it has said it is GIF. It's a hard J sound. <laughs> I will admit that, and I still say GIF. I, that's 
Oh, it's imprinted oh, so in my brain. It's said. in my brain, okay? It's Lafayette. <laughs> I know it's Lafayette, but it's Lafayette, all right? That's how it works. Oh, uh, that's great. And I'm not kidding. This was literally like the one thing that came up right before I hit record for this. So this this is legitimate. Um, I love it. Tony, how are you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing good. The school year has started again. So I had a a really nice like three week break, um, which is really good in between the summer session and and fall Um, problems with registering at school. Because, of course, there is every it has to be a fight every single time. It wouldn't be fun Mm. if it wasn't. A giant hair pulling stressful event, um, but it's over with. I'm in classes now. I'm killing it in Greek, which is great because I'm having to retake mm. a dead language that I took in undergrad. But it's all good. That was awesome. my choice. Very cool. Well, but it wasn't. Um, well, people will get angry and be like, "How come they?" It was my choice. I didn't understand the language in undergrad. I loved my teacher, but he just taught a way I didn't understand. So I'm I am taking it again by choice. I am I am doing that. That's what I found out is a lot of classes were always hard for me because I didn't mesh with the teacher's style yeah. or I couldn't I couldn't latch on to what their expectations yeah. were. Um the way they wanted something or or things like that. It was just that was that was what made classes hard, not the actual that content was, itself. That was advanced preaching for me. Like I'm I yep, love same, to preach. Same. I love to preach. It's something that I know I'm good at. It's a natural skill. I can't even take credit for it. Like I just, I it's something that comes naturally and easily to me. Um, some people they can fix on, you know, fix cars. Some people, you know, it's it's binary language and working with computers. Uh, you know, some people it's makeup. You know, and they just they know how to do you know blush really well or whatever. I can preach, and so I took this event preaching class, and I realized, oh, I'm not getting good grade in this class. Not because I'm bad at preaching, but because I can't do what he wants me to do. And yeah, it was exactly. just a lack of communication where he was like, I want you to do this. So I did what I thought he was asking for. And then he's like, I wanted you to do this and this and this. And I was like, oh, why didn't you tell me that in the meeting we had where I showed you what I was going to be doing? So I walked I walked into his office once with a uh, with a sermon outline. We're both had the same professor yeah. for this class, but we don't want to, you know, shout, we don't want to no, give them a negative shout-out. Because we love yeah. the guy. That's yeah. the thing. We love the guy. It's just we really Didn't, struggled in this, in this specific class. class. I walked into his office with a preaching outline for for the sermon that we were about to preach for class, and I was like, is this right? Because I don't under I feel like yeah. I don't understand this. And he goes, No, it's completely wrong. And uh, we sat there for an hour redoing my outline to make it actually work. Um, because I just did not yeah. get it. I could not grasp After that, I grasped it because I also had a visual example of my own sermon that I could use yeah. as a reference point. So from that point on, I was okay. But man, it was so it was, rough, it was rough at the beginning. It was really, really rough. And and I love him. Like I said, I actually preach in the style that he preaches, which is the irony of that is he, he does a narrative style, which I love, which is you know kind of like inductive narrative style, which is you're telling a story and you're waiting until the end to kind of reveal everything. And I'm like, cool. But yeah, that was, it was just, and so you have that. And a lot of times in life, I think you, you kind of come up with that where you, you're struggling with something because you don't know what it is, but you, you're passionate about it. And it's just because you and that particular person who's trying to get that across aren't clicking. Speaking of, oh, speaking of differences in opinion over things that, uh, well, hold on before, <laughs> but that was a really good segment, but really I have to cut segue. you because I, 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 I really need to give this announcement. Pause. Um, Big announcement to make sure everything is. So I'm I'm in the middle of a huge life transition. If if our listeners did not know this, um, which is 
we're recording this on on September 7, but it's going to go live on, I think, the 17th. It's whatever that Monday is. So by the time you're hearing this, I will have already moved from South Carolina to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I'm starting a new job as an admissions counselor and ministry coordinator for Southern Adventist University. Basically, I'm a recruiter, but I also do a heavy ministry component as well. And uh, so that that uh, I'm going to let you know that that means I have to change the description of this podcast as uh, I'm no longer a pastor directly, but I am working still in ministry and um, and I'm still working alongside churches. And I'm so I'm, I may not be directly a pastor anymore, but I am doing that. But I'm in the middle of this move. In fact, right now we're recording this and like my room is empty. My stuff's all in boxes and I'm crying. I've just, donated a ton just of clothes. Just know that I am and, crying this entire episode. Just tears are flowing down oh, like Cody Iron Eyes. Um, not for um, you. It has so nothing to do re- with you. It's just, it's raining no, inside. No, it's just, so. I figure. And rain makes you very Always. emotional. Always. That's right. Um, so the reason that's all important is because uh, I, we don't know what our recording schedule is going to look like. I have no idea how busy I'm going to be immediately when I get there. So um, by the time you're hearing this, we still may not have everything worked out. And there might be a week or two gap between episodes. Or there may be just some episodes where Tony does some interviews on his own. And we air those instead of anything that I'm producing. So just know that. Bear with us as I kind of deal with this transition. I'm going from a fairly open schedule to an 8 to 5 office job, and uh, that's going to shift some things for sure. So um, just it's going to really mess with our Friday morning 10 a.m. record times. Let's just put it that way. So just kind of bear with us on that. Um, So with that out of the way, also congratulate me. But other than that, uh, let's no. uh, let's shift uh, let's shift gears now to differences of opinion, um, and that wonderful segue, Tony, that you gave us. It was us. so good. Moment's dead though. Now I have to do it again. Talking about big life transitions um, <laughs> that kind of disturb everything and and mess people's schedules up. Eh, it just doesn't yeah, feel. It feels Nike. forced. It feels no, forced. It, it, it does feels feel forced. forced. It's no longer natural. Way to screw up. Square everything, peg, ground hole. Um, this is advanced preaching all over Ugh, again for you. You just can't get it right. over again. It's a nightmare. I actually loved that class, so, though. I will say before we start, I loved that class because <laughs> I took it with Steve, big friend of the show, Steve, and uh, we had an ongoing battle contest, I guess, to see who, because every time you preached a sermon um, or someone preached a sermon, you, you did like a critique afterwards and we had like 12 people in the class and everyone preached twice. So you had a lot of sermons, um, and a lot of critiques. And so we had this ongoing battle of who could make the most obvious movie reference and make the other person laugh without the professor knowing. Right. So it's like that scene from the office where they're all trying to like get out of something. And, and he's like, I can't because my Dad, Mufasa was run over by a bunch of, right? Like, so you're trying to do that. And I won, but that was one of the most fun. I hate, like, it was a struggle. It was a nightmare as a class, but I loved the actual class time because I would just sit there and be like, ooh, ooh, okay, I'm going to mix in. (laughs) I'm going to mix in like U571 today or like, you know, whatever. It was great. Love it. Uh, We used to do uh, who we would give someone a random word that they, or a random word that they had to include in their sermon in a relevant fashion right before they preached. Like the bless so you her get heart like Santa or something, Claus and yeah. you have a sermon about Daniel too. Um, I would do that with <laughs> like I would luck. do that with my actual um, sermons, but with movie references. Like every single time I preach yeah, at my right. church, I did a movie reference, and I would ask people. I'd be like, "All right, give me give me a movie reference before I go up," and they would, and I would I would try to mix it in. The hardest one was Nacho Libre. That was the hardest one. I believe it. 
that's actually that's decently hard in any given sermon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's I really wanted to do well the done. buttload of crap about the gospel, but I'm like, I feel like that's not going to that's, that's not, not going to fly. fly. So, all right. So, serious. if you've looked at if you've looked at our title, now that we're nine minutes right. into this, uh, if you've looked at our episode title, then you know what this is about. And thanks for sticking with us uh, through that intro and and through our announcements that needed to be made. But um, we're going to be talking about Nike today. We're going to be talking about the protest with uh, with Kaepernick. And I texted Tony last night and I said, "Hey, get get your opinions ready about this so we could talk about it." And he's like, "I already did at the." cost of some school time so good that's what i expect from a man and that's exactly what i expect (laughs) from you so let's uh let's go ahead and 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 start with this let's give kind of an overview as far as what's going on on? um so it's been so a few years ago i think it was actually 2016 that the protest actually started Um, from Kaepernick, right? Kaepernick sits for the national anthem, then he starts kneeling for the national anthem. And what I find funny about this, and this is the thing that no one ever talks about, which is the reason he started to kneel for the national anthem was because he found out from a veteran that that's the most respectful way to not stand. Yeah, he was going to sit. He was going to sit through it. And then he he went and talked to not just one army veteran, several, and asked, you know, what's what's a good way to to still be respectful, but to do that. And they said, actually, we would prefer if you, if you knelt instead of uh, sitting. And he did it to protest police brutality and the uh, killing of unarmed black men who haven't done anything wrong. Uh, and, and, or at least if they had even done something wrong, it wasn't deserving of what they got, you know, what they received. So there's this, uh, so there was all this backlash towards Kaepernick. He ended up not getting re-signed as well. And there's there's um, and everything actually kind of settled down after a while. Right. Like this all happened in in August of 16 and kind of was it's talked about pretty loosely throughout 17. And and then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, Nike uh, just a couple of weeks ago reveals that now Kaepernick is the face for their new ad uh, talking about, you know, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And it's completely reignited. And actually, I think amplified the Kaepernick discussion because Nike is kind of everywhere. And so after this happens, every there's everyone that already disagreed with Kaepernick uh, now by the transitive property. If they disagree with Kaepernick and Nike is paying Kaepernick to continue in this message and, and supporting him here, then now they hate Nike. And so you've got a whole bunch of people burning their Nike clothes or cutting the logos off and boycotting Nike. And you've got a whole bunch of other people that are saying, way to go, Nike. We are happily standing with you on this. And so the, the debate has been reopened about Kaepernick, whether this is right, whether this is wrong, uh, and Nike's role in it. So that's kind, of, that's kind of my quick overview. I don't know if there's anything you want to add there, Tony. Well, what's interesting about this is two, two things. First off, uh, while Kaepernick was the face of this, he was not the only person um, to, no, no, to no, kneel. No, of course, that, you have that whole debate of whether it's respectful or not. Um, what they're even protesting about. I think that's confused. A lot of times people who I see who are against it don't even understand what they are doing. Um, and and I will say that news news media outlets have taken this and, and blown it very hugely. So there's a lot of people that are like, well, I'm going to protest the NFL. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to take money away from the guys that are, I mean, it's working. You All, all I'm saying is, it worked. So number one, Kaepernick is the face of this and it worked. 
his jersey is still in the top 50 of jerseys selling, and he has not played a game in, I think, two years. He, he wasn't last mm. season. He didn't get signed last season, and he didn't. He was cut by the 49ers after the season, and, and he did not play last season. He is not playing this season. Some people say that he had choices and he left it out. There's a, a huge debate um, that supposedly he had offers, uh, but he turned it down. People have said yes, but those offers were uh, minimal contacts, and they were specifically with clauses saying you can't, you have to stand, et cetera, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. So there's a whole lot of who knows what's going on. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get you know fun emails about, well, it's actually this. But the reality is there's a lot of misinformation out there about what is actually going on as far as the Kaepernick situation. What is interesting about that entire situation is that Nike did not just hire him for this campaign. Nike hired him in 2011 to be one of their one of their endorsements when he came out as a rookie um, and was just you know this this you know running throwing wunderkind and uh, he could do everything and and I think it was either that year or the next year he took um, his team to the Super Bowl it was a whole big deal. After that, yeah, he well, did not and- have a lot of success. Um, he, he struggled. Uh, there were um, issues with the coach. There were issues with the offense. There were issues with injuries. Um, and so he did not, He was not able to replicate the success he had. Um, unfortunately, that kind of got melded into the bait. But regardless, because he was such a, a standout athlete... Nike kept him on. They never released him. So this is what's interesting is a lot of people go, oh, well, they're just doing it because of this. I go, no, 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 no. They may not have been public about it, but they have been paying him since 2011. This is not like Tiger Woods where they dropped Tiger Woods. If Tiger Woods all of a sudden came back up on Nike now, um, I think it was he was with Nike, right? Yeah, he was with Nike. If, if all of a yeah, sudden he, he comes Nike. back, that's a different story. This is not like that. Yeah, Kaepernick's always He's been always on their payroll. Been on their payroll. Been... And so that, to me, I think is a significant part of the story that people kind of um, either don't know about well, or, or gloss over. It's interesting to watch people kind of try and gloss over the narrative. And, you know, they'll use his lack of skill as the reason that he didn't get signed instead of his sacrifice. And what they do is... You know, they'll use they'll use another picture of someone that they really do believe sacrifices everything over with the same slogan. They'll just, you know, get rid of Kaepernick and replace him with, you know, Pat Tillman or a picture of a police officer in grayscale. And they'll put that blue stripe across the middle. And um, and I find it interesting that people use Pat Tillman and Pat Tillman is used to be a football player who left the NFL to, to join the army after September 11. And he ended up dying in Afghanistan. And so they say that he's someone who sacrificed everything. And I find it interesting that his wife has actually said, please don't use my husband like as a, (laughs) please don't use my deceased husband as a political tool for, for your, you know, it's one thing for Kaepernick who signed up for this. It's another thing for Tillman who is dead and cannot speak for himself. Not even that people who know him well say, oh yeah, no, he'd be the first one to kneel. He'd be, he'd he'd totally be the one kneeling for that. Like that was him. It was, he had this extreme sense of justice. Um, and what's interesting so they, about that whole people, situation is that was a cover-up. His death was a huge cover-up because it, he was killed by a uh, uh, friendly fire. And so a lot of people who were against the war in Afghanistan, which you can debate the legality of that, you know, for 
you, you know, we've been in yeah. a war for 20 years with a country that didn't attack us. Anyway, whole point being that there are a lot of people who use that narrative and say, look at how the army treated him. They even treated him as, you know what I mean, and took the narrative and wanted yeah. to change it because they made a boo-boo with a really big star. And so they lied about it. And so it's just this it's just this thing where he constantly is getting used in a way that he would not have wanted. Yeah. Well, and and I find so so they gloss over the narrative. They will replace the narrative. And I find it funny because the people supporting Kaepernick don't and none of them disagree with any of the things that they're glossing over the narrative with, yeah. right? Like if you post a picture of Pat Tillman and say he sacrificed everything to serve his country, I'll be like, yeah, you're right. I don't disagree with you. Um, and I also don't disagree with Kaepernick. Uh, they'll, they'll put a picture yeah. of police officers and say, you know, we're, we're disrespecting our police officers. Like, no, Kaepernick isn't about disrespecting police officers. He's about calling to accountability the bad police officers. And shouldn't we all be against people abusing their power at the expense of the, of, of the little man or, the, you know, the regular guy? So I find it interesting that the way they gloss over the narrative is with stuff that the people that <laughs> that they're disagreeing with also already like agree yeah. with. So I, I do find that interesting. And so you've got this weird kind of fight between both sides now where one side is shouting that what, what's happening is disrespectful and the other side is saying, no, it's actually as respectful as it possibly can be. And this is what I find interesting as well, which is people talk about the civil rights movement and they say, you know, I would be fully in support of that now, right? I, if I was living in that time, like, there's no way I would mistreat yeah. black people. There's no way that I wouldn't it's join ridiculous that. ridiculous having sitting on the this, bus. Yeah. Black protesting in American history has never been socially acceptable. And if you want to know where you would have been in the civil rights era, just look at where you are now. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the only, like, that's... No, I, that's how, it's fascinating because the exact same language and rhetoric that was used back then is being used now like the exact same like the yeah and i'm not just saying like oh they're saying the same things like i have read articles that were written in the 1960s about the civil rights movement and i have read side by side articles that are written right now about the black Lives matter movement and it's the exact same narrative it's the exact same narrative like the same yeah, does language is <laughs> being just, used again. The names. It's literally they're swapping civil rights movement for black, black lives matter movement. And it's the, well, they're disturbing the peace and it's against this. And look at how much the cops have sacrificed. And we'll be like, Oh, well there, there were horrible cops back then. You know, they used fire hoses yeah. against people just peacefully walking. And it's like, yeah, it's still happening is the problem that we're saying. Um, and I'm, and again, I think it's gotten better. I think it has gotten better. Um, I I think that the dynamics are different. It's a different situation. The context is different. However, at the same time, the rhetoric is the same. To me, anytime you use the same exact language for something, it's lazy and it tells you it's significant. It's very, very significant. Um, and And so, yeah, like I see that and I'm just like, yeah, okay, so... When it's, when it's, I mean, almost word for word, side by side, you would just realize it's like, okay, something, some things have never changed. And, and where you would be back then is where you would be now. It is radical for, and I would like to, I would like to believe that there is a higher percentage of the white community that is giving support to this. Um, 
I don't know if that's true. I have not looked at any of those numbers, but it's it's interesting to me that yeah, the same people who who are protesting Kaepernick probably were going to be the same one because because when Ruby Bridges, by the way, this is what's interesting when they integrated schools in the South, that was against states' rights. So everyone who goes up and oh, the Civil War was about states' rights, okay. When Ruby Bridges was put into that school as an elementary student, a like eight-year-old girl or something like that, the people protesting against her were correct that it was against Alabama or Mississippi. I think it was Alabama's states' rights. It was against their state constitution. But the federal government said, you're going to do this. So legally, it was a gray area. And if anything, it was probably legally okay for the people to protest. They were in the right. So when someone comes up and goes, yeah. well, you know, they're, they're breaking the law, I go, yeah, but that doesn't mean the law necessarily is right or, or cannot be improved on. Or, or well, there and, isn't and, something happening that needs to, you know, the, that's the point that they're trying to make is that there's still an issue here. And so... You want to know? Yeah. I, this is completely off topic, but you, what you're saying makes me think about it. I wonder how many of our older Adventists, especially someone who's been pastoring in the South the last mm. two years, wonder how many of our older Adventists were involved in lynchings and never had to face any consequences. Dude, I, just, I ask that myself you, that a lot. I bet you that number would be I'm not gonna, I'm not going to name names, but there was a co-worker of my father's who was from the South, and this person, I am going to go out on a limb to say I'm about 50-50 on the fence to say whether or not their family was involved. No, I'd take it back. I'm about 90% sure their family was involved in a lynching at one point. I'm about halfway sure this dude was involved in something because they said stuff that not only shocked me, but made me realize that was one of the first moments where I realized that racism was alive and well because you hear about it. But growing up in L.A., even during the Rodney King trial, as a kid with other kids, you didn't get that. We were all afraid of the police. We were all afraid of, you know, the authorities. Oh. Like, it wasn't like it was just being black or Hispanic. It was like cops are scary, um, you know. And so you didn't really get the racial the tension. It was more gangs are scary. You know, it, it, we were all in it together in L.A., at least as a kid, and we were all in it in Arizona. I had black Hispanics all together. We were all together with that. When this dude came and spoke and said things, it was like, oh, you're on a whole different vibe. You're on a whole different level. And I'm, like I said, I'm 90% sure some of his family has lynched people. 90%. I don't know whether he personally was involved, but I'm pretty sure he would have, A, have yeah. been okay with it and probably been like, well, they broke the law. Because most of the lynchings hmm. happened when people were accused of breaking the law. Falsely, like 98% of yeah. the time. But that's why. Very rarely was it just random. And that's why they have those random ones. And I'm not saying that it's like better or worse. I'm saying it's just as bad. But most of the time, somebody was accused of doing something and they just went out and hung them. And and so, yeah, I think that, yeah, there absolutely would be some older Adventists there. And I wonder how much ha yeah. it, it hasn't changed. Yeah. Like, at least the attitudes yeah. are, yeah, it's, it, it's 
interesting to see. I've interacted with people in in South Carolina who still use racially charged language that was that was the acceptable mm-hmm. terms back in the 60s and 70s and now isn't but because you know there are areas of rural America that just haven't caught up they really have 2018 yeah. they don't they don't know they actually think they're being respectful and they don't realize they're Dude, not I lived and that's I sad. lived in a town just to, just to put it on a lighter note I lived in a town 8 miles away from from a from an actual city in Texas that didn't have like internet line. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like I did not have yep. high speed internet in a town. I wasn't even that far into the sticks. I can kind of get it. If I'm like, I moved to East Texas, you know, I was 38 miles from El Paso. I get that one. Okay. Yeah. You're in the middle of nowhere. I was like eight miles from town. And I didn't have anything. I had to have like saddle. I had to like go to town if I wanted to do any. If I wanted to stream something, yeah. I had to go to a Starbucks. Or, or you know what I mean? Like we couldn't, we couldn't video chat each other and record if I had this. Yeah, I didn't have internet, and I'm like, that's just internet. Like, forget you know terms and terminology and what. Like, I'm like, it, it was crazy to me how quickly you can jump thirty years. Just driving away from a tro- you know, from any metro area, like drive for for thirty five yeah. minutes, and at the you know, for every minute you drive, you're going back in time a year, you know, yeah. And they're they're the mullets, there they are, and <laughs> the perms and the yeah, like that, you know, it's a it's a real issue. And so, as advanced as we think we are, I totally get why, I totally get why some people. And the other the other big thing I see a lot, not so much with Adventists, we tend to be a little bit more global in our understanding and perspectives. But I've found with a lot of the United States, a lot of people don't travel farther than a 50-mile radius. That blows my mind because I come from the West Coast where everybody travels. Everybody travels. Everyone's traveled somewhere. Um. So, uh, you know, they either go back, you know, a lot of people, it's because they go back to where their family's from. So they go, oh, yeah, we moved here from Philly. So we go back to Philly or whatever. But everyone travels. So they've at least seen different, somewhat different cultures. Um, or even if it's just Mexico, they've driven down, but they've seen it. They've gone to a different place. They've been, they've traveled. So you have perspective. Anytime you travel, anytime you go and, and see a different culture and experience that culture, really experience it, not just touristy experience it. You, it gives you a perspective. It might not necessarily be great, but at least it gives you something. And I think that's the big issue in a lot of the Kaepernick situation is that a, I totally get why some of these people don't have any perspective because I go, yeah, because all you've ever done is grow up in this particular community and you have never traveled outside of that community. You don't understand how other people think and you don't want to understand how other people think because you've never been forced to. You've never been forced yeah. to to adapt your culture to this other culture um it just it just it makes sense to me and it's it's just crazy to me it makes sense in one in 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 the sense that i understand it it doesn't make sense to me in you know we're in the age of the internet like how 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 does this still occur that's where i scratch my head is is just this idea? I of, would ask that question more when our generation becomes the elderly. I would agree with that too, because the, this generation didn't Gen get Z, much of a chance. Millennials to, and Gen Z make yeah. up like fifty percent of Americans' population. 
That's what yeah. I'm saying. When we get to the point where, because we're the ones that grew up with technology, they that's didn't. True. They had to adopt it, and that's they harder. Did. For them. So, they did. They just. Uh, they don't want to use uh, it. No. See, one of my one of, one of my old church members got her first computer at age 63, and it had Windows XP. But they had typewriters. Two months if you ago, you can operate that, two that typewriter ago. and put a ribbon in it and everything. That, you can it, you can operate it. I, d- I disagree. Well, I mean, I agree with you, but I disagree with it's all about perception. That's true. And I think how you that's approach true. it. That's true. So, but okay. So back on topic. There's a, there's I think another because we were super tangential for, for a second uh, for ten I, minutes, but um, but for a reason. Like to kind of explain. Yeah. No. That. No. 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 Yeah. Um. There's the other side of this for Nike, which is they also are NFL's official sponsor, mm. so their money is perfectly fine. And I think for them, they. Based on the way they've responded to this, right? Because it looks like they released a, an official kind of meme style format photo of or, or image that basically explains, like, if you're going to burn our clothes, here's how you do it. Here's some helpful tips for burning our products. And, um, it, you know, for them, it's like they're happy to stick with people like you, you, they've got people like Serena Williams, they've got mm-hmm. people like Kendrick Lamar, mm-hmm. they've got people like Colin Kaepernick. In other words, all these drivers and creators of culture, all these, all these, um, these contributors to culture and they're like, we'll happily side with the people creating culture. And if you stand against them, then we don't really care if you're buying our products or not, but you're not really someone we want wearing our products. Like there's a great, <laughs> that's, there's that's, a great scene from, well, somebody, somebody mentioned them. They're like, okay, first of all, you're buying the, you know, you, you're, you're, you know, your Nikes cost $27. You know, this is stuff that you mow your lawn with. They don't care about that. They want to get rid of those. They're burning them. You're doing their job for them by burning them. Um, so I thought that was hilarious. But this is what's yeah. interesting about this. This is there's a, there's a great, great scene from the movie uh, Straight Out of Compton. Not officially recommending it because it's very crass. Um, however, it's a fantastic film. Off the record. Uh, it's about NWA, for those of you who don't know. It's about the rap group NWA, which was really famous because Ice Cube came out of it. Dr. Dre came out of it. Um, you had Eazy-E, uh, who was kind of the leader of it. And it's kind of their story of how they came out of Compton, California. And the the they were very successful for a short amount of time. And then they broke up over financial issues and different things. In that movie, they had a, a very famous song called F the Police. Right? And... People hated the fact that they were their their lyrics were so crass, um, and it was it was the kind of the start of gangster rap. Up until this point, rap was kind of like a, a form of disco, so it was more like fun, and it was there were like little double entendres, but it was almost more cutesy than it was like intense. Yeah. and they kind of started. It, it happened before them, but they kind of were the were the first wave of this kind of hardcore gangster rap that we know of now. That Tupac made famous, and and Biggie, and and Snoop, and Nas, and all that. So um, their their first album came out and people were protesting it and they protested by taking a bunch of their, their CDs and, and smashing them, you know, and, and there's this great scene where they're driving along in their bus and I, the guy who plays Ice Cube, his son, he makes this comment, goes, you say a little bit of truth and people lose their minds. And then the other guy, you know, he's the poet of the group, right? So he says this deep statement. And then Eazy-E, who, who is uh, the guy who plays Easy, who's the more the business side of it, goes, they can do whatever they want with them. They already bought them. Exactly. They already and gave they us And they all start laughing because he's like, I don't care. Shoot. Burn them, destroy them, throw them into space, launch them out of a cannon. I don't care. You bought them. The point is you gave me money. And that's, to me, I go, that's a perfect example of what Nike's doing right now. They are cutting off clothes and burning stuff they have already bought. Nike does not care. 
they sponsor the entire NFL. So when you buy your Joe Flacco jersey, okay, you are sponsoring Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, yeah, you're paying for yeah, you're right. You're, like it's like paying tithe and by supporting watching the life. NFL. You are sponsoring Nike. Um, it's just the dumb, you know, to me, I go, yeah, you can hate on Kaepernick all you want. Nike doesn't care. First off, the majority of their money does not come from, um, well, he, okay. So here's the other thing. So, so they're not going to lose money on this. Trust me. It's a business decision. No. Yeah. They're not going to lose any, they're gaining money. They've already generated over 50, $43 million just, in just ad from revenue. This, okay. Number one. Number two. For media this, exposure, not ad This revenue, is what's interesting about this. Okay. Mina Kimes, who's a senior writer for ESPN, brought this up. No, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It was... Um, she she brought up something else about the situation. It was... I think it was Jamel Hill, um, who was the, the former writer for ESPN and got in trouble for, for writing stuff about Donald Trump. No, he was one of them. Anyway, sorry. One of the senior writers, she, she brought this up. I should have it in front of me on Twitter. Um, they brought up the fact that recently Nike has just been hit with some civil lawsuits for gender discrimination by female employees. After they get hit with that, they immediately respond with the Serena ads. They respond back with Colin Kaepernick. They respond, and they go, isn't it interesting that all of a sudden they have, they have, uh, controlled the narrative now they have spun it into a way to where yeah even though it's it's horrible and people are burning it and protesting and whatever they are now controlling the narrative versus having it controlled by you know versus the pr being nike was was you know has a huge gender bias and and is yeah. uh you know discriminatory against women that's not what people are that's talking the thing. about at the end of the day they're a multinational corporation and they're, they're doing not losing fine. money like that's um, well, and this is so. This is what gets me right. This is what gets me about all of this. There are two tweets that I, I can that I've refer, that I'm about to reference. Um, this one, this one is interesting. It says uh, Chick Fil A is anti-gay, but you don't burn their chicken sandwiches. Papa John's founder says the n-word. You don't burn pizzas. H and M puts black boy in a monkey shirt. You don't burn sweatshirts. But Nike taps a man who stands for Black Lives, and you grab your matches from the shelf by the sheets, like. Just it, it is interesting to me to watch people protest this in such it's such a visceral reaction to something that is actually like they're not even directly doing anything that <laughs> it, it just it just baffles me that that this is the the response and there's there's another one that says imagine a country where a shoe ad is more controversial than a school shooting uh, and that. That is absolutely true. Like looking at this ad, like we're at, we're arguing over an advertisement. And I know that that's like at base level. I know as you go deeper, you're like, well, it's about the man behind the advertising and the narrative that they're pushing and all this. It's like, okay, look, yeah, like, okay, let's let let's just go with let's just go with this, right? There, I I saw someone throw out this stat, and I don't really care if it's true because, um, it, it, while it's important, it doesn't change the narrative at all, right? Uh, they say that 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 um, police brutality is is over, you know, is is oh not is talked about too much, and and it's a distraction from the fact that. You know, um, black lives are responsible for ending black lives, and black on black homicide and murder is the problem. And and um, ninety three, I think, it was ninety three percent of black lives are ended by other black people. And so, you know, why don't you focus on 
on fixing the problems in your own ethnicity and race before you start trying to fix this 0.4% um, of, of issues with police brutality. And I'm sitting there going like, wait, wait, wait. So we're justifying murder here because there's more murder elsewhere, right? Like, like we're, we're just going to pretend like this is not worth any sort of attention but because it's only, you know, 0.4. Even if that stat is true, I don't really care if it is. What's the MLK quote? Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And I would argue that uh, police, the people that we pay with our tax money to um, to enforce law and to uh, rep- and and to do a very specific job, them. I just watched a video of a of a grand, a white grandmother and her black grandson being pulled over because the police thought that the black grandson was robbing an old white lady, and it just absolutely. They, they make him get out of the car and walk backwards towards them and get on his knees. And it looks like execution style, basically, while they go talk to the grandmother and they, they get everything sorted out and then they let him go. But it's just shocking. To, like, we're <laughs> and, and you know what? They responded because someone came to the police and said there's two black guys robbing a lady. They didn't even specify the lady's gender. or They did the gender, but not the ethnicity. But the black guys, yeah, that's that's what that's what tipped off the the white cops to go. And the, the, you can watch the 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 car footage. The cops are white, and they come out guns drawn. So it's it's just the guy, the kid survives, and and everything ends up okay. But like that's not okay. And police brutality is more than just about lives being ended. It's about lives being treated fairly and equally. And this is just it, to me, it's ridiculous that this is this is like even something that we should be fought about. Police should be doing their jobs to the best of their abilities. And yes, we should absolutely stand by our police, especially the ones who do good, but not the ones who do bad. And that's, I think, what this is all targeting at. And I, it just baffles me that, that, we've dis- that people are distorting this narrative enough to completely ignore that and to, and to pretend like all cops are good. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I have... Um... Friends, I grew up with friends or, or friends of friends who had dad, uh, who had dads that were were police officers or still are, I think, and they are great men. Um, you know, one of, one of them's the guy who actually arrested Charles Barkley in that situation. And you know, what's interesting is that the way that they handled it and the way that they handled persons of color in in our. Um, you know, a lot of them were in a sports league and the way they handled, you know, persons of color, minorities in a sports league, it was not, there was never a racial issue. Um, they treated everyone with respect and they treated everyone the same. So Charles Barkley was arrested the same way as everyone else. It was treated, you know, ha- ha- truthfully with respect. He even hit on this guy's partner and he just calmly was like, sir, that's, you know, not appropriate. We're going to take you to jail. We're not, you know, and so I know them. And and even in that, and this is what's interesting, they're, they're, they weren't in... Um, Maricopa, Cap, uh, Maricopa County, so uh, they weren't, uh, um, or they were in, but they worked for the city versus the the actual like county sheriff's department. That's a super racist one, and and I go even in an area with racist cops that were doing horrible things under Joe Arpaio. I knew that there were good cops in these areas, and my sister is is a person of color. She's very dark, and whenever she gets pulled over. Um, you know, if she gets pulled over in Arizona, it's always for a reason. It's always because, you know, and I go, this is what's interesting to me is even in a horrible place and my sister looks Hispanic. Um, I don't, I'm white passing, but you know, it's, it's, there are good cops. I know them. 
And I go, I have no problem with them. But that doesn't mean that just because there are good cops where I am at doesn't mean there are bad cops in that area because I know there are because there were cops that were doing illegal things in Arizona to the point that they broke a federal law and had to get a pardon from the president, right? So those guys I don't want in the police force because it makes everybody else do bad. And there is such a tough job. They do put their lives on the line for us. Um, I have the utmost respect for police officers who do not go on power trips, who do not use that. And it's a high stress job like nurses, like, you know, anything else, uh, like any job where you could potentially lose your life. It is a very high risk job. And beyond that, it's a civil servant job. Um, And it's not a popular job. You know, cops have to do the unpopular things, but they also go in and try to resolve domestic disputes. They try to do they do try to keep people safe. Um, You know. And, and so you have to respond in that manner. But just because most people are doing something right doesn't mean we can't do it better. This is the other thing when we talk about Nike. Nike is doing this for business purpose. So I don't really have like – I'm not really like I'm going to go out and buy Nike now. Good for them. I think they're on the right side of history. However, they're, they don't, if you think they're doing this out of the goodness of their hearts, they're not losing money because of this. That's like a that's like a minor that's that's like cert, a certain percentage of their motivation, but it's not it's not nearly. I, I don't a know. business's bottom line is to is to, to make, make money. money for their shareholders. I'm not so. going to judge on yeah. the the motives of the individuals in that, but I guarantee you, yeah, if they were going to take a hundred million dollar bath, they would. Look, look what they did with Tiger Woods. I'm not saying what Tiger did did was right. That's a completely different context. Okay. But they dropped him like a hot potato when all that went down. And that wasn't even that bad of a situation. Yes, he cheated on his wife multiple times. It was a PR disaster. It was a nightmare. It was a smart business decision. But it wasn't like he did something illegal outside of the morality of it. Yeah, it was ethically wrong, but it wasn't illegal. And it he's was not no, the no only person to do it. If you think Tiger Woods um, is the only pro athlete who cheats on their wife, I got news for you. I have friends who hang with NBA players, and they will tell you, yeah, it's all the time. It's all the time. Uh, you know, it's every uh, a lot of yeah, pro athletes. It happens yeah, is, a lot. New all the time, especially people who make a ton of money because Kobe Bryant can rape someone and then buy his wife a gigantic rock. And she's like, okay, like he bought her a massive ring and she was like, all right, so you can get away with it to an extent. So, so, and, and again, did Nike or I, I think Adidas, no, Nike, Nike was with Kobe, didn't they? And they kept him. Nike was right? Kobe, and they sure. kept him. Yeah. So this is what's interesting to me. I think they kept him. I, I did not look up that situation. However, what's interesting to me is, first off, I don't give super huge props to Nike because that's a business decision. However, I, I think they're on the right side of history. I will say that. And B, I think it's it's... The interesting thing, again, as I go back to, and this is the same thing when Kaepernick started, they started burning Kaepernick jerseys. I'm like, you idiots, you bought his jersey. Go burn the store down that has the jerseys, right? But you buying his jersey, that's a business decision. In in the PR world, any news is good news. 
Because you can spin any situation, yep. but as long as you're in the world, I, you know, you just got to get your name out there, whether it's for good or bad. Look at the situation with, um, oh, there's the actor from uh, uh, the Cosby show that just got seen at Trader Joe's and everyone made a big deal about it. And I go, that's the best thing to happen to him and his acting career. Why? Because now everybody remembers his name, is looking at his acting career, and he's probably going to get more sl- spots because of it. Now, yeah. I, well, making I, fun of him, probably not okay, but as long as it brings in money and, and if it brings in more acting gigs, I'm, I'm sure he'll take that every time. My thing is I just don't understand why we can't be uh, kind of a, a both and, right? Like I, can't, I don't understand why we can't be you. for cops but against yeah. bad cops. I don't like that's that's what baffles me here. And and I love Garrison. I'm gonna give a shout out to Garrison Hayes on this because he's been on this podcast before. No stranger to to being publicly known for this kind of thing. But someone was talking about this advertisement recently on Facebook and he shows up in the comments. There's a lot of people, you know, downplaying it. He shows up in the comments and he goes, Well, y'all just admit that you think that millions of black Americans are filthy liars so that we can just kind of just have that out in the open finally. Because ultimately that's what happened. There's an entire well, not an entire, right? There are black people that actually disagree with 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 this, right. and and they have every right to disagree with this. It's America, right? like I'm yeah. not. This isn't like you have to, but there is there a significant is portion. A lot of yeah. people belonging to an entire ethnic group or racial group that um, that are crying out in pain, in fear, in anger, frustration because of injustice, and we're sitting there going, "No, you're lying." Like that's that's essentially what we're doing if we if we if we stand against them we're saying no we don't believe you and you're wrong uh to feel the way you do and that that's sad to me um to watch that kind of narrative happen and it's kind of 101 like i look at i look at even stories in scripture and the way there was um what after joseph helps Egypt through the famine, right? Exodus 1 start opens with, and then a pharaoh arose that, or a king arose in Egypt that did not know Joseph or what he did, and he saw the growing Israelite people, and he said, they could take us over. Um, and so we need to do something before they can. And so he basically, he sets taskmasters over them, and he has, and he orders the Egyptian army to kill all of the sons of Israel. So he cuts off any growth, and he and before Israel can realize they have power over Egypt, he exercises Egypt's power over Israel. And it's just it's kind of like it's it's suppression one hundred and one <laughs> to uh, to knock down the people that you that you are afraid yeah. of. Um, and that's I think I think there it, it's it's interesting to me, and I see a lot of parallels in scripture of that. You've got a lot of white people. I've even had the thought too of. The, the the talk of white people becoming a minority for the first time uh, in, in history, and white people are afraid of that. And it's like, well, why are you so afraid of becoming the minority? Or could it be that traditionally, throughout history, minorities have been treated poorly? Um, I, I mean... <laughs> like, that yeah. in itself is evidence towards the validity of these arguments and of this stance. And it just saddens me that we can't be a both-and and say, yes... We are for those who sacrifice for this country, but we are also for those who are being treated unjustly, and we are for their equality and them being given the same shot that everyone else has. Um, and it's just sad to me that, that that's instead we'd rather fight about it, argue about it, and um, and you do everything we can to keep people suppressed. Yeah. 
And that we is a very general we. Please understand I, that. I think here's my response as a Christian, as an Adventist, as a minister. Um, Because the reality is, again, I've said it before, I've, I'll say it again. I can't really change what's going on out there. I can to a degree. Um, you know, every, you know, all it takes is one good person standing up. But to a degree, society kind of is unpredictable, and it's going to kind of do what it wants to do. I can affect change most effectively and most dramatically within my community, which is the Seventh Adventist community, particularly here at Andrews, but but overall the Seventh Adventist community in, in North America. That's where I can do the most good. So for me, as a, as a minister and everything, how's here's here's how I react to this. Um, I want to see people talk about it in the true context of what it actually is, right? I want to see people, I want to see the situation bring people together. Um, how? Bring them together to discuss bring them together so that they realize what's going on. Cause the reality is if, if like with Steve Bannon being invited to the New Yorker, you know, when, when he got uninvited, cause there was a whole kerfluffle, they invited all these, you know, Hollywood liberals and uh, the, mm -hmm. the damn Hollywood libs did, you know, they all got angry cause they're like, this dude's a hate monger. So we don't really want to go if he's there. Um, which fascinatingly enough is, is, kind of discriminatory. However, I think it's deserved in that context. You'll want to give him a voice. However, I, you know, anyway, it's, it's just fascinating to me, but yeah, everyone has like, a right I, to a voice. I think everyone has yeah. a right to a voice. However, I understand why they did what they did. And I'm probably, I would probably do the same thing if they're going to interview, you know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, I don't really feel comfortable putting my name to this point being, um, after it was done, the guy who, invited the whole thing said i realized that while everyone does have a voice it probably was not the best place for it um uh, and you're not going to convince you're not going to bring him up and ask hard questions and get him to change his mind so perhaps a live interview was not the you know it's not the best platform for it and i go at least they're acknowledging the fact that this guy is going to come up he's not going to change his mind he's had 80 you know not 80 sorry like like 50, 60 years of, of thinking in this particularly very strong, very hateful way, you're not going to all of a sudden change that overnight because of an interview, because you sit there and go like, see how you're wrong. And, and studies have shown that being combative uh, actually makes people dig in harder. So if you present them with evidence that is contrary to their own beliefs, they will stick to their beliefs and double down rather than change their beliefs. So to me, I want to bring people together yeah. in a way where where we honestly say, hey, let's actually express our feelings about this, but let's be willing to change our views. Let's come in with an open mind and with a, a willful spirit to say, how can we help? Because clearly there's an issue, right? If there's no issue, you don't, you know, you don't yell about it. I don't see, I don't see anybody well, yelling about the fact that that uh, uh, McDonald's got rid of high C orange. I'm angry about it. I'm angry about it. But nobody's yelling about that fact that they've gone to orange soda instead of having the juice. And they should, they be. should be. You know, I'm not usually political on this show, but I'm going to take a soapbox for a second. But no. that's the reality. It's like, that's not that big a problem. <laughs> nobody's yelling about it because it's not that yeah. big a problem. Um, honestly, nobody was really yelling about the fact that 
you know, Chipotle multiple times has been tinged for salmonella and, you know, clearly not having good. No one's really yelling about that. Why? Because we just won't eat there. It's not that big a problem. You will see an outcry when there is a problem, when there is an issue. Um, Okay. But to me, to me, it's, it's frustrating because the only reason they say it's not an issue is because they don't experience it. Right. Like that'd be like me sitting in my apartment and going homelessness is not an issue. And every time someone complains about being homeless, I'm like, no, you're not. That's not true. The majority of people live in homes. So that's not, there's no way right, that's yeah. true. And that, that's what we do with, that's what we do with this, uh, with police protection. Well, I've been treated well by cops or I have friends that are cops. So there's no way that your narrative is true because no. of my experience. Your experience doesn't, does not invalidate anyone else's experience. And the person that's crying out for help regarding police brutality is not invalidating your experience with good cops. They're saying that I want to identify the good cops and honor them and get They're rid of the bad ones. They're saying I want that ones. experience. I want what you have. Yeah, I That's want awesome. that experience. I'm so glad that that happened with, with you. And Can I please have that? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. That's that's literally all they're asking for. And and yeah, and, and I will, you know, this whole situation, when we talk about, when we look at it, it becomes more explosive because people don't understand what's actually going on. Um, read up about it, please. Do your research on it. Actual research with actual sources. Um, don't read opinion pieces. Look for facts. I think that's another big one. Is we need to we we need to do an episode on how to read from the internet um, for a lot of people because a lot of people that I know is they don't know how to read the internet. They read an opinion piece and they're like, "Yeah, look at these facts," and I'm like, "No, that's an opinion." Um, that's a biased fact. Like that's not so, like sixty percent of people polled say. They don't have a problem with cops. And I'm like, yeah, where did they do that poll? 60% of what kind of people? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't just put a vague statistic out there and just be like, see, this proves. I mean, I had a, a pastor come to me once, an older pastor, but not that old. He wasn't that old, okay? So he was he was a Gen Xer. He said to me, well, 90% of white people don't have a problem with black people. And, and I literally just looked at him and I'm like, where are you getting this stat from? Well, and I go, that's in your experience. By the way, Missouri is known as one of the most racist states, which is where, you know, he, he was pastor. And I'm like, dude, like that's, that's an, that's your experience. 90% of the white people, you know, and by the way, that's not a lot. 10% is a huge, I'm okay with 2%. I'm not okay with it, but I'm like, that's a livable number. 10%. That means that if there's 100,000 people, 10,000 of them still hate black people. Yep. That means 10,000 people are going to like make black people's lives a problem. And I was like, that's, that's even, even though that's, that is not even a little bit true. That's still a huge number. There's 300 million people in the United States. 10% of 300 million is 30 million. 30 million. Yeah. So even though that's, even if that's, that was true, which it is not like, that's a huge number. So I think the issue that we really need to discuss, especially with the Kaepernick situation is let's get together and talk about it in, in an informed way. We have to talk about this in an informed I think too, way. 
I get to say this in two episodes in a row. Um, I said this last week with Ross Knight as well, but I, I go back to everything kind of keeps going back to this episode I did with Anthony Bosman on uh, how do yeah. we have arguments? And he said, and he, he defined an argument as two people coming to truth together. Uh, not two people spouting their truth at each other, but two people coming to an informed truth together. Synthesis. And that's, that's, that's what the spirit of this argument is, is us coming to truth together. And, um, and, and honestly, at the moment, I see that more happening from the side of people who support Kaepernick than I do from the side that don't. Um, because I see them agreeing with those that don't yeah. agree with Kaepernick on, on honoring our veterans and otherwise. And um, I see them also agreeing with Kaepernick and saying, yeah, there's a problem here. And I just find it like I, I really think this is not talked about enough. But the fact that that Kaepernick was doing everything he could in the most respectful way possible after having consulted with veterans. And that just baffles me that, that we I've used that word a lot this episode. But like that, how I, I can't believe we haven't latched on to that more uh, in this discussion. Not not us two specifically, but like yeah, on overall. Facebook, I never see it talked about on Twitter. All, overall, in these arguments, no one ever brings up the fact that, and there's several articles about it. You can go find out. Even uh, what, Paul, I think it's Paul Boyer, right? That's the that's the guy that knelt with, that's the vet that that knelt with I Kaepernick. So. I could yeah. be wrong on that that name, um, but even he he even he was like, yeah, that's that's the way we do it. That's the that's the way to do this. Just absolutely amazing to me. Uh, you know, I, here's my th- <laughs> here's my other thing. But don't confuse nationalism with patriotism. This is the thing that people need, to, and we could do a whole episode on that. Nationalism is screw everyone else. My country's the best. Okay. Patriotism is love for country. Nationalism says there is no way this country could get any better. It is exactly as good as it should be right now. And anyone who says anything negative about my country is wrong. Patriotism, patriotism says my country can be better and I love it enough to critique it because I want it to improve, because I want the next generation to come into a better country than they did with this one, than the one we grew up in. Mm. That is a difference. So people saying, well, I'm a true patriot. No, you're a nationalist. There is a difference. There is a huge difference. A true patriot is someone who stands up and says, I want to not only protect this country, but make it better. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the true definition of patriotism because the reality is the nationalists, the, the, the people that they talk about, the people who have the same mentality that people have now, and I'm not agreeing with the, the whole American Revolution, but they would be Tories in the American Revolution. It was the patriots who said this country can be better than it is right now and went against established authority and went against established mode of thought. I'm not saying it was right. Legally, we should still technically be part of the British colonies. Legally, we shouldn't own this land at all. Uh, it should belong to the native you know, Amerindians who were here. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but the reality is, like, the people who think they are patriots today, it cracks me up. Because I go, yeah, you might love the flag, but you actually just love your conception of this country. You don't actually love it because true love means I'm not going to leave you in a, in a state where you can be better. If all, if I think truly that America can't get any better, then I'm not a patriot. If I honestly truly believe in my heart that there's no possible way that this country could get any better than it is, 
then I am not a true patriot because a patriot always says there is a better way of doing it. We're going to improve and get to the next. We're, we're going to take it to the next stage. We're going to make it better. Um, so let's not confuse those two things. I think that's the other thing that frustrates me about this conversation is you have a lot of people saying, well, he hates this country. And I go, no, 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 no. He is displaying true patriotism because he is saying there's a way we can do it better. He is not hating the flag. He is respecting the flag more so than people who wear it on their bodies, which is, again, against the rules. That is literally against the law. To have the, the, the American flag as a piece of clothing is against the law. We nod and wink at it because we understand that, that, that they're, you know what I mean? Like they're, okay, yeah, cool. We understand yeah. where your heart is at, but that is against the rules, and that is disrespecting the flag. Less so than someone who uses their right to free speech to say, I believe this country can get better. The same thing I think can be said about our church. There are people who are con denominationalist instead of I don't I don't know how I want to phrase this, but they don't love our church. They don't love it enough to say it can get better. Instead, they say, to me, I love my church enough to say I want it to get better, which is why I'm on here. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm staying to be a pastor, because I believe we can be better. We can get better. I don't believe that there's a golden age that, that the, in the past where we have to look back to. I believe the, the golden age is ahead. It's yet to come. It's it's the age where you know we can go forward and get better. Um, and because of that, I move forward to it, and I act as though it can't get better. I see so many times so many people who act as though this church is as good as it's going to get. And that, to me, again, is why we need to come together. Because if we can come together and talk about Kaepernick in an informed, consensual way where we actually have open minds, we can talk about other things in our church with open minds. That's why I think it's so important to talk about this, because it, it's the same the same arguments and the same voices and the same attitudes that are being used in this fight are the same ones that are being used in women's ordination, in homosexuality, in present truth, in all these other fights, in the you know the, the the nature of Christ, all these other fights we have in our church, yeah. the same attitudes are being used there, and we need to be able to come together and say this church can get better. We have to look at how it can get better. We have to see how we can improve, not necessarily God's yeah. vision of it, but I believe that we can do better. That's why I think it's so important. Well, and. I think I would I would end on the note of uh, traditionally throughout history I cannot think of one I don't think anyone can think of one there isn't a single protest in all of history that was ever seen as a, uh, acceptable at the time yeah. that it was done um, protests were always seen as good in retrospect or in hindsight right so we look at Martin Luther and what he did as good in hindsight we look at uh, what Martin Luther King did we look at all the civil rights we look at all that being Gandhi. good in hindsight yeah. but at the time. Yeah, Gandhi, every every protest is seen as bad and unacceptable. So what I would say is look, disagreeing with the method of protest is not ample reason for disagreeing with what the protest is about. And uh, I would challenge anyone who um, who does think that, oh, that protest is unacceptable. I don't like what they're doing, and, and they're disrespecting this, this, or that. Um, I would challenge you to remember that no protest has ever been acceptable. Um, so... With that, I think uh, we've got a pretty good episode uh, under wraps. So 
Uh, thank you so much for listening. If you want to subscribe, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, any podcatching app, or theabsurdity.org as well. Um, if you want to support the podcast financially, that is a super big help to us. You can um, you can subscribe or you can subscribe to a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/absurditypodcast, and that you can donate monthly and receive rewards as well. Special Patreon-only episodes that we are going to be releasing soon uh, and more. So. Uh, and the last thing, special shout out to Caleb Isley with Humans of Adventism Yay! for sponsoring this episode. You heard it at the very beginning uh, in the Haystack as well. And uh, Tony, how can people reach out to you? And, uh, and probably the best way is to Twitter. You can reach me at, uh, at Tony underscore Anobili, A-N-O-B-I-L-E, T-O-N-Y, it's not an I. Um, or you can just look up the new Dr. Jones uh, or just find me on Facebook, Tony Nobili Jr. Uh, no, I am not the 50-something-year-old guy. That's my dad. He's Tony Nobly. Look up Tony Nobly Jr. Uh, you can message me on there. It's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Um, big shout out to a few of my friends who messaged me about our Nerd Culture app, and they said they really appreciated it. Um, I really appreciate their messages. I haven't been able to get back to them, so I'll probably type them up now uh, before this episode comes out. But uh, I just really appreciate when people get back to us. It helps us feel you know, really good. And please uh, leave a review if you can. Um, this is how podcasts improve. This is the format. Um, we really... Well, and it, yeah. gives us visibility. it gives us more visibility um, so we can, you know, get more people. If you like us, just, you know, say we're good, bad, ugly, whatever. Put it down. Yeah, that is super, super helpful for us. And you can find me on Twitter at Ryan180Becker, and you can email me, Ryan180Becker at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for being on this journey with us. We hope that you liked this episode, and to anyone we've offended, we apologize. Please reach out and let me know. Leave so us a review. And fix it or perhaps make it better. Uh, yeah, do something and help us out. Help us help you. Help us help you. Help us help you. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.